We can begin today is Monday, the 18th of December, 2023. Mm. And, uh, uh, and uh, let me repeat the date again. Today is Monday, the 18th of December, 2023. And I want to dedicate the Shein memory of my mother, Yehudit Bat Reb David. It's through my mother that I relate to Rabbi Revel. Uh, my, my mother's mother was a Calvarishki, and Revel's uh, mother as well descends from the Calvaristis. So it's through my mother, and as I mentioned a year ago, she made a decision to take me out of public school and to send me to yeshiva. And as they say, I hope in a positive fashion, the rest is history. Just commenting on some shayurim from the past and questions, uh, a dear student, I.A. Liebman, says to me, uh, did the demonstration in Washington accomplish anything, looking at the present situation with the Biden administration? And it's a good question, but the answer is it accomplished a great deal. First of all, who knows what our situation would be if not for the demonstration. We've got to remember this is a, a, an administration and a democratic party where the Arabs are taking over. And I don't, need not elaborate, we all hear the news, uh, it's beyond comprehension. And now we can understand Hitler, Hitler destroyed, killed five, six million Jews. How did he do it? How did the world stand by? How did they allow it? What are we, ants? And you have your answer, Harvard, UFP. MIT, it's unbelievable. And if you saw the news today, someone walked into the library in Harvard, the majority of the women were sitting there with the hijabs, if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, how do you pronounce it? No, no, kafirs. Kafirs, hijabs, etc. Okay. However, I want to say something else. It accomplished a lot more. It gave chizik to the Jews here. It's not just Am Yisrael here, but Am Yisrael all over the world. We are one. Whether we will to be one or don't will to be one, this is our Geschichte, this is our Shikmazov, if I may use that word. And it came out in the demonstration. And from an Israeli point of view, it will result in Moraliyah, from a religious Zionist point of view, the concept of 300,000 Jews saying Shema Yisrael is overwhelming. So uh, it did accomplish, maybe not as much as we would like, but it accomplished a great deal. And we have to be very thankful for the organizers and how beautifully they ran the demonstration. As I said so many times in the history of the Torah people, there never was a demonstration and so many Jews together that was so filled with Kedusha the Tahara. All the entertainment was 
men, no women. Just think for a minute. Now, this is offensive to people. I wouldn't be bothered if they had a few women, but all right, I understand that Haredim uh, and probably in the YU of today, if you go and tell them what the Rav had to say about opera, no one will believe you. But Baruch Hashem, as long as I'm alive and Rabbi David Miller is alive, we have to aid them as, as to what the Rav had to say. But nevertheless, they were sensitive and all the entertainers were from. You might think every... Now, it is true in Israel, a lot of the main entertainers have, are either from from birth or Balei Tshuva. But you have to give credit to those who organized it. Regarding what I said last week uh, or two weeks ago about uh, Rabbi Belkin and um, um, Rabbi Lamb having very dedicated secretaries, Rabbi Leviv Mistovsky tells us, I told you the name of Rabbi Belkin's secretary was Helen Atlas. The name of the lady who hovered over Rabbi Lamb with such love and devotion was Gladys. And Maskini Shachat, I remember Rabbi, being in Rabbi Lamb's office, uh, whatever it was, we, we had to meet together. I was quite, cl- quite close to the Lamb family. Uh, I taught many members, and uh, he was a very wonderful individual, Reverend Nachum Lamb, his wife, uh, Baruch Hashem, great people. So I remember Gladys and Ein um, Hachinami, devotion was second to none. I trust I mentioned this in class, and this is quite important. Um, the question of the Rav and Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg and what their relationship was. So what I published, and I should have been, as I told you, I should have elaborated more in a footnote, but my, what I've said in class over the decades, I'm absolutely correct. And uh, Yehuda Dov, I don't need anything more than that Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg wrote a letter. It appears in my Talmud, uh, Rabbi Dr. Mark Shapiro's blog. And uh, the letter, word by word, he's quoting Rakhafet. That's all I can tell you. He says, people say, Rabbi Salavetsi is my Talmud. Chas v'chalila. Yes, he visited my classes a few times in Berlin, but he was not my Talmud. And beautiful footnote here in Rabbi Yitzhak's handwriting of that exact relationship that they had. He audited the classes as I wrote. Finally, I want to mention, uh, coming back to last year's classes, and I think I spoke about it at the start of this year with Yeshiva Tachme Lublin, I want to mention two new developments that uh, support what I've said in class just had I known that these were not available they just came out Um, one, a art school just put out a volume on the life of Benny Fishhoff I trust some of you know the name if not the ignorance will pass for the wise by just looking in a positive fashion Benny Fishhoff was a survivor who was raised as a Gede Chassid. He survived the only one in his entire family. By miracles, he wound up in Vilna and he attached himself to Rav Pinchas Hirschsprung and everything we spoke about, that little group of Yachal Talmidim. 
got the Japan got the Shanghai, and already in Shanghai, his father had been a businessman, so he was like in business. He actually could live outside the ghetto because he was employed. And this man came to America, totally destitute, deeply in mourning. Found out his whole family. Don't believe anyone survived, and uh, he reestablished himself. And it's quite a story uh, of how he went into business and uh, he first import-export real estate, and somehow, you know, and it's a beautiful volume. He didn't always win out in his business deals, but when he did win, he won big. And he helped and encouraged and he raised a beautiful family. And that's the Nechama. Those of you who have no borough park, the Beit Yaakov, the Hasidei Gur, is named in memory of his first wife, Mindel Marilyn Fishat. Originally, the name Marilyn was the name she used. She was an American lady, American-born. And uh, some Meshuggah from Borough Park was once davening in his shul in Forest Hills, and he got up and started screaming, you're a shagitz and oisvaf, in public, embarrassing him. Agoy gomuf. You used the name Marilyn in Borough Park on the Hasidish Gur Beis Yaakov for girls? And instead of being offended, he told everyone, you know, as Gedecht, he's right, he's right. Then he changed it to Mindel. I, I can see it right in front of me, dedicated to Mindel. And then he married again. His second marriage was well over 30 years, longer than his first marriage, actually. And just a, a, a total gentleman, Eurasia Mayim, uh, never grew a beard or prayers, but he remained the Gerach in his heart, and the Gerach Rebbe, the Gerach Rebbeim, were Makarafim, and he's a Mechut, and those of you who recall the fabulous documentary, it's already uh, 25 years ago, A People Apart, I think it's called, about Borough Park, he's a Mechut with Jack Katz, who sponsored, if you recall, in the uh, in the movie, the the Belsa they're they're recovering rec recouping their Belsa heritage, the kids the their BATA graduates, the grandfather the survivors be wanted to be like why you people, but some of the kids <coughs> reclaim their Belsa heritage and there's a beautiful scene there where they're dancing on Hanukkah, and the kids have beard and payas. And they're looking at their father dancing at the clean shape and American clothes, short clothes as they called it in Yiddish. And and they're looking at their father saying, Me cooking him on, umin zetem nishtri as yet, but min zetem via chasidish yunga man with the langa bagodam and the bottom payas. We're looking at him and we don't see him as he is now. We see him as he, as if he still has his beard and prayers and long clothes. It's a very powerful video. There's one scene in there. I have, have to, I actually know the people because for about 25 years we stayed in Borough Park every summer. I had a lot to do in America, 
and I was young, I had energy, I could travel today, I'm, I'm happy to get to the corner to catch a bus, but I need a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So there's a, there's a scene in there where they come into the store in Borough Park, and this lady, and they're talking with her about what it was like to be second generation. I hope, I apologize, I can't say it without crying. And she says, we never said no to our parents, what they went through in the Holocaust. But my children say no to me. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful insight. And uh, that volume just takes you back to Vilna and, and the Reb Chaim and everything we spoke about in class, everything I write about in the new article on the... Uh, uh, Rabbinic authority. Okay. One more uh, development. My, my dear Talmud, Rabbi Moshe Wiener. We have Mark Wiener here and uh, Rabbi Dr. Mark Wiener. We have a Chassidish Talmud with a very similar name. Uh, he runs the Coney Island Community Council. A, 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 a big, a fabulous individual. Uh, obviously a Chabad Chassid. And he's been after me for many decades to grow a beard, and he's written, the, I have the volume in the office, the latest edition, I think it's over a thousand pages, why a Jew must have a beard. All right. We, I once gave a whole Shia uh, proving he's not right, and he published both his viewpoints and my viewpoints on a Chabad, I think Chabad Online, C-O-L, and I, it's very fascinating because you have his picture and my picture, uh, the Talmud with a beard down to here, and the Rebbe Agoy Gomor, Amagulach, Agalach, okay, if you know what I'm referring to, it's Yiddish Hebrew. Now, he just published the Kuntus, it's an addition to his book, Mesvirat Nefet Shel Shleimut, Hazakan. And this book is based almost a great deal on the book I quoted here in class, Eilish Shalom Nichnau, about Hasidim and the Holocaust, how they refused to give in, how they refused to cut their beards, they sacrificed their life for what the Gemara talks about in Sanhedrin, not to change the color of the shoelaces. A very fascinating huntress, uh, so I, I give him all the credit in the world. And now let's come back to the Vilnagon and shift gears from uh, Yachal and Vilner and Beards and the Gon. Uh, we ended off last week's class. I introduced you to uh, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb's uh, PhD thesis, and it's a very nice work on the Vilnagon. And, and the issue I raised in class is not a small issue. Uh, he was criticized by some of the faculty members that it's uh, too yeshivish, it's not academic. And I showed you the footnote, imagine you're quoting the Rav, how do you quote the Rav? And this is the Talmud, he quotes him, Mori Rebbe HaRav HaGon, Zeichet Tzadik Levracha, and according to the rules of scholarship, you're supposed to quote Soloveitchik. Titles are not used in scholarship. And this is a delicate problem. I mentioned last week, and I, I didn't know how to solve the problem. 
when I started my work on Revel, uh, I mean, not started, when I'm, I get a contract from Jewish Publication Society, by the way, that contract changes my whole life, uh, you know, you don't realize little things happen. It was 1968, and we apply Faliyah, and they, you remember what they told me at the Jewish Agency, Rabbanim sweeps streets, people who have doctorates in Jewish history, work in the zoo in Tel Aviv, and they were very discouraging. There were reasons why, because after the Six-Day War, they got a mob of Aliyah here, hippies, bippies, bummies, drug addicts, drugs were much cheaper here from East Jerusalem, I know what I'm saying. So the word was out to discourage Americans only if they really want to come. Anyway, when I applied, so they look at me, big deal, rabbi, big deal, Jewish history, big deal, Yeshiva University, but a contract with JPS? Wow. Cyclopedia Judaica, the head of it who bought it out, the whole consortium, Yitzchak Rishon, came to America to interview me, interviewed me on Tainet Desta, and offered me a contract on Purim, uh, uh, 69 this has to be. Got the contract th- around Thanksgiving Day, 68. So that contract, you know, you all right, I got a contract, a book, this, that. JPS, you don't know, Yehuda Dov, you don't know what I'm talking about, because JPS then was 50 times Art Scroll today. Got it? Today, Art Scrolls, the king, and JPS, Lichtendred, okay? But then we're going back, all right. Um, so, you see, no, it's a delicate question. I sat with Chaim Poltak. I was very fortunate because I know the whole Poltak family from day one. And Chaim was very kind to me and taught me how to write, taught me tricks that even yesterday as I was working on a new book, it's going back to what he taught me. But what he did teach me, he said, look, he was recognized the problem. He said, when you introduce the person for the first time, utilize all his titles, give him a proper introduction. Afterwards, you just refer last names. So what I did, I would balance out Revel, Rosh Yeshiva, President. I try to find a solution. But Rabbi Lamb's doctorate gives us information that no one else has. And we ended off the class with the Chazonish, which I'm well aware of. I, I didn't need Rabbi Lamb's doctorate. I was aware of it before, and I told you I was involved. I, I, I was the catalyst that brought about the, uh, the, uh, the Rabbi Yehuda's article in Tradition when I asked his daughter, what was your father's relationship with the Chazonish? Now that letter, the Chazonish took the Yehuda brothers to task. And I don't want to repeat everything we said last week, but the important thing is, see, academia, it, it's a different approach than our Torah approach. And I had this out in 61, that year in the rabbinate, 61, 62, which could have made me or could have broken me. And here I am, a kid of 23, and a mo- this shul had a great deal of the U of P uh, faculty people. 
among the faculty people from European. He, Dafka, was very nice, a very decent human being. His name was Moshe Greenberg. Again, you're a new generation. Are you aware who Moshe Greenberg's Eich was? Excuse me? My cousin. That's your cousin. You once told me that. Moshe Greenberg, his father was Simon Greenberg. Simon Greenberg was the vice chancellor under Finkelstein of JTS. Ha, um, uh, his son Moshe was a, a JTS graduate, a Musmach, then a PhD, I believe, from Columbia. And he was the youngest professor ever appointed at the UFP in Bible. He was a great scholar. So here he is, and, and he was orthoprax as far as religion goes. He, he davened three times a day. He was Shemesh Shabbos. He was not orthodox. He had other theories, uh, historical Judaism, development, all the, we spoke yesterday about development and dynamics. So uh, we're in a debate, can we be greater than the Vilna Gaon? And he said yes. Why? We have all the manuscripts, we have more material, and this was their approach, academia. We Torah Jews, we mention the Vildegal's name, we shake, we shiver. The Rav, who we looked up to with awe and reverence, when he mentioned the Vildegal's name, there was total hitpadlut, total uh, self-denial. Who am I? What am I? The Vildegal. Okay. So the Chazonish takes the Yehuda brothers apart for calling their whole attitude towards the Vilna Gaon like just another scholar, but we know more because we have more manuscripts today. And this was a f- the most famous sentence that the Chazonish wrote in all his letters. Everyone quotes it. He said the Vilna Gaon was a throwback. And the whole question, what do you mean by a throwback? And Nitmatua Darat you're familiar with the Gemara and Shabbos, and it's a basic concept of Chazal. Yes, we're not what our Rabbeim were. On the other hand, every once in a while, you see someone who's he, and that's what the Chazonish referred to as a throwback, that they wanted, God wanted to give us an, an example of what earlier generations were like. And that's the way he viewed the gong. That will explain the gong to you. Those of you who have studied Shulchan Aruch, those of you who deal with the Hagot Hagra, those of you who deal with the Svarim that describe how the gong practices life, he was very different. He... he he did things, and we look at the Shulchan Aruch. Oh, the Shulchan Aruch says, the Mishnah Brewer says, the Gong went back to Rishonim and said what he wanted. The Aliyat and Rosh Chodesh, you're all familiar how the Gong divided it up, different than the regular lading. You, you can go on and on with the Matzah, the... Uh, which matzah do you break? How many matzahs do you hold in your hand when when you make the bracha? What it means, lechem, ani, le, lechem only. He, he had his own viewpoints. Hanukkah candles, how do you light? Where do you begin? 
You can go on and on with endless examples. And how could the Gaon do this? And this is what we mean by a throwback. And he, and he says that the Vilna Gaon was like a Rishon. That's the Chazon Rish. Now, I want to give you another source, introduce you to another volume. And uh, Rabbi Lem quotes this volume, but I don't have to cite it from a secondary source. I was fully familiar with it to begin with. And I'm citing now from the Makar Baruch by Rabbaruch Halevi Epstein. Now, the, the Makar Baruch, again, you're dealing with a very interesting individual. He had a daughter who lived in the East Bronx. Her, last, her married name was Bacht. It, it's a famous Lithuanian name, B-A-K-S-T. And I, she put out the Torah to me. I still remember her name at the bottom, the copyright. Uh, I don't know what happened to the family. I once threw out a challenge to my students. Is there any surviving from Jews from the Boxed family from the East Bronx? From Lay Box in Detroit. No, no, that's from Lithuania. That was a very famous Lithuanian rabbinic family in Ramaz. The most beloved teacher was Boxed, Rabbi Boxed. He lives in Hillcrest. Uh, it's a, it's a, here in Israel, it's a, a family of Gainim, but she wound up in the Bronx, and when he came to America for a while, he stayed with her in the Bronx. I still met people who met him, who knew him from the Bronx. Now, you all know the Torah Tamima. The Torah Tamima is a very organized sefer, right? He quotes Chazal, gives his perushim at the bottom, uh, it, it's a very popular sefer. I remember in the rabbinate, if I had make get get to address you quickly, I'd open up a sefer, find a chazal that speaks to me, look at his interpretation, then play with it. You know, dashanut means you play with it to give a message. It's not the it's not the mashkir. I told you this rav lesson in his introduction to his many firm of musa, which the rav loved by the way. The rav held from rav lesson. Wow. And, and uh, so he says, what's the difference between Musa and Dashanut? Dashanut, it's your idea, and you force the sources to fit in with your idea. Musa is, what do the sources say? What do they want from me? Now, the, the Torah Tamima published another very big three-volume set called, called Makar Baruch. Zichronat Mechayei Chador HaKoldem A memoir safer. It is the most disorganized safer you will ever touch. It's history, family stories, chidushim, insights, quotes. Wow. And it's a chunk. It's very hard to separate. Now, this Sefer has a lot of problems in modern times, as you all know. We're living in a world, I I just dictated a letter to to Yomo this morning, a very wonderful Jew who's wasting his time in America, writing, pleading for... uh, He he would love to see our good at Yisrael convention and write, uh, invite... Rapheshel Shachter to speak, invite a guy named Aaron Rakhefet to speak, 
and he tries, tries to bridge that you can be a tzaddik with a kippashnuga or a tzaddik with a black hat, but they, there should be no enmity between them. So I just wrote to him this morning uh, that what you're trying to do in America is a waste of time. You will never achieve it. You know what happened at the demonstration. Who said what? I said, here in Israel, it is happening. It's happening because the reality of life, uh, if you're following what's going on in the country and following the, the surveys that are being done, you'll see that I'm hitting the nail on the head. The realities of life here are bringing us together with love and reverence and appreciation. It begins with 20%, but once you have 20%, it's 40, 50, 60, give it time. Uh, it's like Reb Nussan Kamenetsky's memoir. What was wrong? What is wrong with making a vagato? It's too honest. It's not art scroll. It's not everyone was born at Tzadik and everyone is wonderful and every big Talmud Chacham at the age of five was already davening three times a day. And Rabbi Yitzchak already in Pachat Yitzchak criticized this approach. He said, the Chavetz Chaim became the Chavetz Chaim because of his difficulties, not because of his challenges, not because he was born that way. But, but all right, Rabbi Nesson Kamenetsky, I need not tell you what went on here. And never, I miss him. I miss him very much. And I, I cry because there's a world of material that went down to the grave with him that he was afraid to publish further after what happened the first time. The Makabarach is very similar. Kennedy, you know what I'm talking about? No, Dr. Yassi, tell me what I'm talking about. Remember they gave out in Lakewood a translation, my uncle didn't save. It was all from the Makabarach. And some people said, then it saved read newspapers Friday night. They put the safe in, they had to recall it. It was the Dalmatora, uh, whatever they call it, the, uh, of Lakewood. Like the, I don't know what the formal name is. Lakewood Cheda. They had to recall the safe with apologies. This is the Torah Tamima, the Makovarach. All right. With that introduction, let me quote to you. I'm beginning on page 584. My edition of the Makabarach, I believe, is in three volumes. I think today they reprinted in two volumes. But this is from page 584. And he describes, it's beautiful, he says, one time, Reb Chaim Voloshin, the founder of uh, the Voloshin of Yeshiva, was sitting with his top Talmidim, and they started talking about the Vilna Gong. And, and they said to Rab Chaim, how fortunate you were that you saw the Vilna Gong and the children in the introduction to the Shulchan Aruch, when I quoted to you, the Gong's son said you were his top Talmud. And, and they started praising the Vilna Gong. And one of Rab Chaim Voloshin's Talmudim blurted out, that the Vilnagon is like a Tana. His knowledge, his Kedusha, his Zidkid, like a Tana. And Reb Chayen Voloshin got hysterical. Chas v'chalila. You can't say something like that. 
like a tana impossible. And Reb Chaim said he's not like a tana and not like an amora and and not like the Savraim and and not like the Riv and not like the Rambam. Epsha Ulai, maybe he's like the Ran Ban. You follow? But you see, I'll tell you a story in a second. And 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 Reb Chai and and the Makom Baruch goes on and on that we have Eidot Nemanar. Reb Chaim Mevolashin writes about the Gon Mishnatos Tura Lachalacha Berura Bechalatorah Kula Belishum Sveika Gamab BeMikra BeMishnah BeShash Bavli Yerushalmi Shash Resifri Tosefer Mechila Midrashim BeZoharim BeChol Devrei Hagonim BeHatanayim BeMorayim BeKulam Zachali Yot Chelko Bechem ULachRiya Bein Hasveikot and Take a look. This is Reb Chaim talking about the gun, and be the ever he says, "Nisht ulai ulai," like a Ramban, and and he goes on and on. Now, this story. First of all, what do you see from here? That even Reb Chaim Evolution, as much as he minimized who the gun was, not any less than the Rambani. Okay? What is to show you that the concept of throwbacks, what the Chazoni said, is absolutely correct. That here, Litvakin, rational, sane people, but they're willing to give the Gon so much credit, like the Rambani. Now, someone should ask a question. Rebbe, the Ramban was one of the greatest Rishayim. Uh, and I'll pepper the question. They asked the Baron Lichtenstein. Do you remember this? If you would be alone on a desert island, what would you take with you? He said the Ramban. He put the Ramban ahead of Maimonides. But I'll tell you what the difference is. The uh, Ramban, the Rift, the Rush... Their ultimate achievement was halacha. The Ramban, yes, he wrote uh, in halacha and chidushim, but his main achievement was his commentary on the Torah. The commentary on the Torah already is a lot more than halacha. It's philosophy, machshava. There's Kabbalah involved. There are parts of the Ramban that we don't understand for sure. We don't have the Kabbalistic terminology, background. So you see the Ramban, when Reb Chaim Velashin is talking, he too was a bit of a philosopher. Nefesh Chaim will come to it. But that was a sideshow. Velashin was the Vah Hashem Zu Halacha. And, and and that's why I think not the Rambam, not the Rush, not the Rif, but the Ramban. That much credit he would give to his Rebbe that he was a throwback like the Ramban. Now, 
that's a powerful story, and it also takes you to the Chazonish, and it's the Derech we have for those who came before us. In academia, uh, I don't know what fields you've worked on in academia, but in academia you find machloket between scholars. The language they use at times is very harsh. Uh, even even scholars in, the, in dealing with Torah subjects, you find very strident opinions and each one is trying to show he's ahead of the game, he knows more. But in the Hashem Zu Halacha, there's no one in the world, whether he's wearing a black hat, a strimal, or a kipasruga, who's going to say he's bigger than the Chazonish. The Chazonish, Chas Vachalila, no one would say he's bigger than the Gon. We always look back with awe. And this is the concept of Masori. That's what I told you last week with Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and Yerucham Meshel. Um, the, remember what I told you? The conversation on the plane. You're closer to Darwin and I'm further away. You're closer to monkeys <laughs> and, and we descend for, for, um, from giants of Torah, from Moshe Rabbeinu, from Maimir Hasinai, etc. All right? That this is the attitude towards the gun. In parentheses, let me tell you another story that I've lived with all my life. I heard it from people who were there, and the story keeps on popping up, and people send me, Rebbe, do you know about this? Do I know about this? I heard it from people who were there. And it's very simple. Rebbe Mesha Soloveitchik came to America. If, if you know the story, stop me. I don't, I don't have time, but it's a good story. Rebbe Mesha Soloveitchik came to America in 1929. Finally, his first year in Atmata, America, Yeshiva of Chanan, December 1929. And uh, he had Talmudim, very friendly with Talmudim, the 30s. Uh, it was a revelation, Reb Moshe, the son of Reb Chaim. But Reb Moshe and Shir, this is 30, 31, part of 32, kept on talking about his son, the Ugoyen. Mein Zun, Yosef Dov, Beryl, are going, are going, are going. And students tend to be cynical. This is part of being young and, and being, you know, full energy. Students tend to be cynical. So the students would speak, yeah, he's boasting about his son, who's his son, what his son, when his son. So... One time, uh, uh, they get an announcement, the Rav is coming, the Rav is arriving in America, and he's going to give a shear, his opening shear is going to be in the yeshiva. And Kachabe, I describe it in my work on the Rav, September fall of 1932, and in walks this six foot one, six foot two individual. The Rav was taller at the time over the years. He had back problems. And he's clean shaven. And the students are cynical. And who is this man? And he gives a share and they are flawed. They are blown away. So a few weeks later, Talmidim are walking with Rav Meisha and, and they say, Rebbe, I, I, I'm 
I have a problem speaking, saying it in English, but I'll try. Rebbe, your son is a gone, he's this, he's that. And one could says, and Rebbe says, yeah, yeah, it's a gone. What I told you is a gone. And one could says, as we the Zayda, as a Zayda, he's as big as Reb Chaim. And Reb Moshe gets hysterical. What my father was, no one can equal. You follow? And, 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 and with all his love for Beryl, for his Bukhar, he said, no, he's not as big as Bezayda. And that's exactly this story with the Vilna Gon, and it's classic. All right, but this gives you a feeling of the Vilna Gaon, Reb Chaim, the Talmud, the Chazonish, the throwback, the Ramban, etc. Now let me go one step further. And uh, the resident Yekka sitting in front of me will not believe what I'm about to say. Just think for one minute, Charlie. Who wrote the greatest overlook at Yeshivat. No? Who wrote? I got news for you. A great grandson of Rav Shemshofor Professor Mordechai Broya. Are you familiar with his work? Oale Torah, it's called. Uh, everyone knows Professor Broya. I've quoted extensively. He wrote a brilliant doctorate on the German Orthodox community. It's worth studying, reading, uh, because uh, it, it, it's no different than American Orthodoxy. German Orthodoxy, 1870, 1880, 1890, to World War I, no different to what went on in America, 1940, 1950, 1960. Ishal uh, Haedah, I think it's called. Um, uh, a similar to I, I've cited it, I've quoted it. But he wrote later in life another volume, Ohale Torah, Hayeshiva Tavnita Vitodotecha. I don't think there's an English translation. The volume was published by Mecha Shazar. Uh, it's not ancient. Maybe it's 20 years ago that it was published. Let's see if I have a publication date here now. Uh, Mecca's Shazab, and I love the volume. It's a history of yeshiva, but what I want to cite before I go into the version yeshiva, he puts together the Maimari Chazal, how, to, how we learn what a yeshiva is about, how important the yeshiva is about for us. And I highly recommend it to you, the introduction. I'm signing from beginning on page 9. And Gemara in Yomadav, Chavchet Omid Bet, Miyameyim Shalavotainu Lo Paska Yeshiva. The Gemara says openly, we always had Yeshivat. The Yeshiva, the tradition goes back to shame for Eva. And I can tell you, that I mentioned shame for Eva, Yeshiva, Remember I told you about Balin last week, my chave, Yeshaya Balin, who uh, would take notes on the side of the Gemara, and the Rav says, the new shayach, that you like the Vilna Gaon. 
So one time we're learning Sanhedrin, and we're dealing with Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, and I know we got involved in the discussion with Rebbe about Yeshiva Tzim Eva, and Bilin pops up, Rebbe, what? What's this the curriculum? What was the curriculum in Yeshiva Tzim Eva? And the Rav, with his sense of humor, right on the spot says, Du darfst mir nicht fragen, ich habe nicht gewonnen an Rosh Hashiva daten. Dort weiß ich, aber dort habe ich nicht gewonnen. I was not a Rosh Hashiva there. What are you asking me? Why are you? I know what's going on, but nothing shame. Those two Geinem, they were, you know, they got along with each other with their sharpness, and uh, we'll, we'll never forget Balin and his chutzpah with the way he looks. Was he, was he, was nicht, you know why? Maybe I am the Gunagamin. All right. I, I, I wish I could see Shia Bale and I uh, trust he's alive and well. He's my age. We're not youngsters. So you see, there always were yeshivat. And the Gemara in Bracha, Tavchetam and Aleph, May Oshech Harav Beit Hamikdash Eindlo Lakadish Baruch Hu Be'olomo Ela Arba May Oshel Halacha Bilvad. And that the Medrash describes Hakadish Baruch Hu. What's dear to him? What's precious to him? Where people study the halacha. Abba amalot shel amot shel halacha. And you can look for the sources. Let me just quote. What, what it's showing you how critically important Talmud Torah is. Take a look at the brachet in the morning. We wake up, and, all right, Natila Jadayim, Negelvasa. The bathroom, believe me, if a person wouldn't go to the bathroom, he wouldn't live, he wouldn't survive. But it comes to Talmud Torah, three different brachat. And look at the Russian, La'ashok B'divrei Torah. You know what that means? La Soka Shekitan Bazwano Alima Torah. No, Lima Torah is defined. It's not limitless. We only give it so much time. But the Nusacha Bracha La Asoka Divrei Torah, it's much more than Limit. It's that our whole visage, our whole being, our whole psychic has to be filled with Torah, influenced by Torah. And you see from the Brachat and then HaRevna that the continuation, it's so crucially important, our children, our grandchildren, see, this is the opposite of Woodstock. Woodstock here, today, now, enjoy it's it's so frightening what happened here on Shabbos, Simchas Teirish Miniatzeret. Yom Kippur has been ruined. Now Simchas Torah has been ruined. It's not going to leave us for the next hundred years or more. And and I lower lenu you to you. I'm here so many years. Not good to be in Israel fifty four years. You don't know how many people I have a kesha with. Kenny, you heard about the three hostages killed? So you saw three names. I found that yesterday. I have one grandson's a musician. Don't ask how my grandchildren get these talents. It's not from me. He's a musician, a saxophone. He's getting a bachelor's now after 
was in Hester army, you know. So he plays in a band. They play in Jerusalem, this, this Iriyah sets them up here, there, everywhere. And there's a drummer in the band. One of the hostages killed is the drummer's brother. Right, right home, right home. And, and this is the Western world. But a Jew, Asik, it's a lot more than just lean with Torah. You follow me? And this shows you, and three brachot, and then children should continue. The Western world couldn't care less. I told you, that I tell you that one of my grandsons got home for a few days. Their tank had the, they were in battle for like four weeks, and the tracks on the tank, it's the Merkava 4, the t- tracks had to be replaced. Am I using the right word, Mark? Tracks? What do you call it? The, yeah, that's me. I don't, I don't that whole, that what goes under the tank. Tracks. Uh, well, excuse me? Tracks. So, he, 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 got, he got off four days. Till it was ready, they called him Friday afternoon at three. He thought he was going to be with his wife and kids for Shabbos. His in-laws came over, brought food. They gave him all the food and took the wife and kids back with them to Ramat. So uh, he was telling me about his unit. It's a Miluim unit. Everyone is Miluim. Ten tanks they have. And they've been in battle and done one, and they accomplished miracles. They're seasoned fighters. And he told me he's the eldest guy in the unit. His commander is 10 years younger. The commander, the Mafakeb. So most of the unit is from, he says, real from. We have no problem with the minion, Shachas, Minchamarev. And they talk with the, you know, everyone's friendly. So they were discussing what you do with money. And my grandson says, we've got to save. We have children. have to help them marry buy homes. The Chilonians said, no, you got to enjoy the money. My father, one guy tells him, my parents, one month a year, they're in Chutzlaretz, no matter what. So my son says to my grandson says, so what will your children do? And they say, well, we struggle, they'll struggle. It's the antithesis. See, that's the Western world. Today, now, here, don't give a hoot afterwards. We, Vaharevna, Vaharevna, children, grand. And then, Ashebachabonu, we call Amen. When you understand Asik Torah and children, Vaharevna, then already, Ashebachabonu. Oh boy, are we different. And this is why Torah is so important. And, and Talmud Torah, at all times, he quotes the Sugirai. When did I quote this? I forget already. Uh, I don't know. I quoted it recently, maybe in a telephone conversation. Uh, Yoshua, the start of second Megillah, I think it's Daf Gimel. Yoshua, remember Lunda Amek? They were in war. That night, they, they, would, they didn't learn Torah. The angel comes, when you're not in battle, you have to learn. And the next night, oh boy, did they go deep. Today already we're in battle 24-7. It's a different story because we have night sight. So it's a different ballpark. The tanks can function at night like a day. World War One, World War Two, they function by day, not by night. That's why the whole Kriyat Torah Shaila, 
the chaplains, the Mark, you may know this, the Shiloh came up in World War II, we can't lay in by day, Shabbos, can we lay in Friday night? A good Shiloh? Can you, can you make brachat Friday night? So they passed him laning, yes, brachat no. But okay, and, and you see how important Talmud Torah is? A Beit Knesset, can you turn it into a Beit Medrash? Absolutely. Can you turn a Beit Medrash into a Beit Knesset? Absolutely not. A Beit Medrash has more Kedusha. I don't record all the sources, it'll take too long, but it's all here in the volume. And then he, and he develops the idea, and when you learn Torah, the Eimer, the Yira, the Retet, the Zia, the Gemara, Brachat, Bet, you are at Maimed Har Sinai. And that's what I can tell you if you're, the whole Machloket, do you stand during Kriyat HaTorah, right? Two opinions. The opi- one opinion that, all right, Kriyat HaTorah, it's Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah, uh, t- nowadays, the, the Mishnah at the end of Sota, we don't, buckle covered up, we don't have the energy, the strength, we're allowed to sit during Talmud Torah, we don't stand. But if, Kriyat HaTorah is reproducing Maimed HaSinai, ah, the Retet, the Yira, you have to approach it with reverence, with awe, because in all of Kriyat HaTorah, you have a semblance of Maimed HaSinai. And then, uh, you can go further. The, the Gemara, the Yerushalmi, and it's a Medrash Rabbah. I remember, I, I hate to tell you this, but when I graduated high school, I was in MTI, I was the valedictorian. And I remember I quoted this Medrash. Who are the Neturikata? What do the words mean, Neturikata? Shomrei ha'ir, Neturei karta, kata ir, Neturei notrim, Shomrim. The, in Israel, the original forerunner of the Israeli army, they were called Notrim. Then they were called Shotrim, and then that gives birth to the Palmach. And by the way, the most famous Shomer was Avram Shapir of Petach Tekva. He was a Frum Jew, a Shema Mitzvah, 100%. And I still recall in the Beis Medrash of Yeshiva University, the Harry Fischel Beit Medrash, I still recall he visited America, had to be about 53, I would say, 52, 53. So legendary figure, a warrior, a Jewish warrior. And, and I'll never forget the site. My Rebbe was Reb Michal Katz, the son of the chief rabbi of Petartika, Reb Reuven Katz. And they hugged and embraced. They knew each other from Petartika. And who are the Shomrim of the city? The Talmidei Chachamim, the Lomdei Torah. And you see the high regard that Chazal had, that tradition has for the Lomdei Torah. More than that, and here we're coming to Kabbalistic concepts, and you'll metif to the Rikia if you go through Chazal not just Kabbalistic literature but even the non-Kabbalistic the Medrashim 
you see that the heavenly concepts represent the earthly concepts. There's a Beit Medrash down here, and there's a Beit Medrash upstairs. And there's, and this is a Yeki speaking, a professor, Barilan, Mordechai Broya, he says there's a sublineal connection between our study here and study up high. And many times you see in rabbinic literature, kach heruni minashamayim. This is what I was told from heaven. And nothing more important. Talmud Torah, at kach, upstairs, downstairs. All right, this is a fascinating concept. I don't know how far we have to go with it. I can tell you something that happened to me, and I was caught in a quagmire. Some of you know in my life I've been under three security clauses. One no longer exists, my involvement with communist Russia. That was abolished. That's why I could write about it. Uh, the other two security clauses remain. Second one has to do with my work in the army with the missing in action, Sultan Yaakov, 1982. I don't believe I'll ever be able to speak about what I did and what I know in my lifetime. There are reasons why. I wish I could, but well, these boys were missing, and there are three sets of parents involved, Katz, Feldman, and Baumel. I was very close with the Baumel family. I also knew the Katz family because my close friends, the Liebermans, Sue Lieberman was a cousin, is a cousin to the Katz family. My daughter was very involved, and she brought me in when the communism fell, and they didn't need me to teach Torah in Russia. No, I got very involved, and these families, you know what it means? Remember what I told you in class? Unfortunately, I was so right that these families demonstrating today are making the biggest mistake of their lives because they're raising the price for the hostages. If they had any sense, and some of them do, Dafka the Moor, Tzioni Dati, Chadalim, they want nothing to do with the yelling, the shouting. They understand the reality. The best thing would be for them to say, we don't give a hoot if you get our children back. We want the, the state of Israel to thrive and not go through what happened with Shalit. Hamas would hear that message, the price would go down. But people are people, and it's only natural that uh, it's my son, and their attitude is, very simply, there shouldn't be a state of Israel if it's over the price of my son, get him back and nothing else matters. And we face that problem right as I speak. So one of the families went to Rab Mordechai Eliyahu. Mordechai Eliyahu, I don't have to tell you who he was, and uh, my own brother's family, a good deal of the family were very close, Talmidim Hasidim of Rab Mordechai Eliyahu. 
and uh, the cancers asked him about the son and he answered at this moment he is learning Gemara and that was his answer so I remember discussing it with intelligence people and Yonah Bamel, the father of Zach, missing in action at the time. And I said, yeah, he may be learning Gemara, but we don't know whether he's learning in the Mesifta of the Rikia or the Metifta here. And it was, a, in my opinion, a poor answer to give. It has implications. But Loa Lenu. Zach's body came back for burial. Putin did an unbelievable gemilat chesed. Go and explain it. Putin, who's furious that Yomo is not in the Ukraine for him to, don't want to use any other words, and that same Putin did such a gemilat chesed to bring back Zach's body. It shows you something that we touched upon yesterday, although we didn't articulate it, but it has to do with your field of specialty, Yassi. People, the brighter they are, the more layers they have to them. You follow? And that's why the answer I gave you, I thought about it all night, there's no better answer. You have Rav Menashe Klein, and you have a dummy like me, or Mark Dratch, You've never hit me one. But sometimes someone has to be hit. You, I don't know. The layers in a person. How do you react? How do you do? Where do you draw the line? And here you're walking in uncharted territory. There's never going to be a book that will say black and white what to do. It's not like halacha. Here you have to be the specialist and balance out psychology, sociology, the human being in front of you. That's a tremendous challenge. Okay, let me go a step further. And more than that, Mordechai Broya starts talking about the role the yeshivas played from time immemorial. Now, we have sources in Chazal, and I need not tell you if you're involved in academia, you can take endless courses. What did they do in Babylonia? What was Pirka? What was Kala? The Gemara in Imbrachat. Everyone rushed to hear the Drasha. And you see that the Yeshivat, these were public institutions, not just teaching a few hundreds young scholars, but twice a year at least, they went public with major lectures. You have this today, Yarche Kala. You follow? This goes back to Babylonia. And, and the whole populace came. The Rav later in life, and these were magic moments if you could participate. Later in life, his wife died. He was very lonely. That's the nature of life. My wife and I always come into each other. We have so many descendants. Baruch Hashem. And yet you need someone to unscrew a lamp, to bend down, and go find them. 
all my descent, now a descendant, I, I want to check tire pressure in my car, I can't bend down. My, the last one who did it to me was my grandson, you did. He moved to the Shomron now. So you see, that's life. And, and you talk about the Pirka, the Yarche, Kala, these people saw the rub was lonely. I have to give credit to Mrs. Feuerstein, to Mo Feuerstein's wife. She, she saw the rub was lonely. Beginning with 68, she arranged for Talmudim to come up to Boston for a long week. And the Rav gave Shurim on the lawn, if it wasn't raining, or in Maimonides, in the base Medrash, to everyone who gathered around him. Then the RCA joined in, not just students. They were there for a few weeks, I should say. During the summer, she arranged for lodging and food and all that goes with it. And then the RCA, now what do you mean RCA? These are Rabbanim. You know what the Rabbanit is in America? I hate to tell you, Max, an American rabbi... Yehuda Dov, when did he last open a Sefer? His whole learning, he's preparing Drashat. All right, a Drashat today, a Drashat tomorrow. I'm not a bad Dashan, but I can tell you the truth. How many lives did I influence with Dashanut? But you got a Dashan. Rabbi, we want a message. But you come back, you learn. the. You know what that did? It, it sparks you. It rejuvenates you. And this you had at the time of Babylonia, Pirke, Yarche, Kala. We're not sure exactly how it took place, when it took place. A lot of academia has been written trying to put it Aleph Bet Gimel. But we see what went on. Yeshivat, public learning, public responsibility. More than that, this begins and this becomes very important with Velazhin and until this very moment, not everyone can learn. You see, this concept that uh, began after World War II in Israel, everyone should sit and learn. You don't go to high school, you don't go to college, you don't have a profession. Uh, you know, the joke is in... Uh, in certain areas, a girl, a boy are getting married. What is the boy doing? He's in Kailo. What does his father do? He's in Kailo. What does his grandfather do? He's in Kailo. This didn't, not everyone is cut out to learn. Not everyone has a mindfulness. Not everyone has the zitzflesh, the ability to sit, to learn. But you have to have people who go out into the world. This whole concept of Yes, the people who are out in the world, the people who are making a living, they have to support the people learning. Now you're going to see with the Prime Velazhin, he hits this concept with a revolutionary approach in modern times. We'll get there. But this too is part of the learning. And, and why is learning so important in the whole sugyur and sota, before and after? And you see, in order to learn, you know how to live, you know how to paskin. Torah Shabal Peh is not simple. It's not black and white. 
you read the Chumash, most of it you can understand. All right, there are things in the Chumash that are, I would say, very esoteric. What does that mean? Yomo came into class with a mug and David on his forehead. You say to Yom, what's that? Then you walk into a base medrash, this one has a pineapple, this one has an orange, All right, then you get a mouse. You see, it's an absolute proof from the Torah Shabbat that you have to have a Torah Shabbat I'll even give you a stronger proof. Have you studied Karitic literature? Uh, it's very fascinating. Rabbi Rebel wrote his doctorate on Sadducean Karitic literature. Dr. Belkin wrote his doctorate on Philo. And until today, there's a machlekes whether Philo was a good Jew or traditions were slightly Sadducean, etc. Uh, it's a fascinating. This is academia, but even the Karaites have an oral tradition today. You follow? It's impossible to have just everything in writing. There has to be oral guidelines, oral tradition, and. What's important about learning, and this is the Sidur and Sota, it's not enough just to learn Mishnah. If you just learn Mishnah, you cannot paskan halacha lemaisa. What the Gemara does, it opens your mind. It enables you to understand what is behind the Mishnah. What are the concepts and then when you have a halachic shaila, you're able to put it together, to come to a conclusion. More than that, he explains, and this machloket goes on until today, as we will see a year from now in, in our Sunday class. What's more important, the girsa or the svarah? Time and again in Chazal, in the Gemara, in the Ga'inim, in the different viewpoints, Baki or Bekiot or Kharifat. Chamon or Seisfarim or a Chamon who understands what's in the Sfarim. And, and what are we talking about? This is the whole question. How many Daf Gemara do you learn? in a year. I grew up in YU. If we did 25 Daf Gemara, 30 Daf Gemara, we were doing well. No big deal. 30 Daf Gemara, you learn high school, four years, college, four years, eight years times 30. 240 Daf Gemara. You big Amorites. There are more than 2,000 Pages in Chazal. Am I right? Or Yomo, how many are there? How many? How many? 2,711. 2,711. Yomo, how many pages did you learn out of the 2,711? I haven't counted. Uh, 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 Max, what do you say? So many, Yomo has learned so many, he can't even count them anymore. Can't even count them. I got news for you. If Yomo learned one Mesechet, I'd be happy. Kedushin. Okay? 
everything else I need a vater on. Yomo's laughing. Thank God he's laughing. Oh, Charlie, it's not easy, but I have more like Yomo. You think he's the only one? I have a Talmud who comes to Davin at my minyanim to help me walk the steps. A year it's Rabbi Hendel's son. You remember Rabbi Hendel from YU? After your time, Kenny remembers him. And he's also, uh, he tells me, Rebbe, I can't, I, he talks, uh, Yossi, he talks about you. He says, my psychologist, I told him years ago, I just can't go out with a girl. He's normal, he's like, fine, he's good. My wife was willing, she, we, she, it's hard for her to entertain today. She said, bring, it was, I saw him with a girl. I said, she said, invite him for coffee and cake. And I said, and that girl, Baruch Hashem, got married subsequently. I heard the news, I danced the Kazatska. Mark, you see, this is the question. And then in the Hasidish Yeshiva, they learn 120 daf a year. And they're laughing at you, the Litvak. And you look at them, you say, what's the pshat? What does this mean? How do you paskin? They learn, but they don't have the Havana. They don't have the Svara. And you see, this too has to be balanced out. How do we achieve both Girsa, some Bikiyot, and equally important Svara? We've never been able to solve this problem. It haunts us. How do we bring it to a synthesis. In my own life, I can be honest with you, and I'll tell you, the Rav said this, I quote the Rebbe, yeah, you go into the rabbinate and you're so busy with problems and you want to do good and, and you just don't have time to learn. And the Rav, that's what happened to me when I came to Boston. I grabbed myself. I said, you can't let this happen. You have to force yourself. And I have to say, I always try to have quality time where I couldn't be interrupted. Later in life, I saw this in the IDF. Well, I can't go into details, but whatever the reasons are, in my life, God has guided me. I go through basic training, and I did in basic training what I do all the time, try to be a good Jew, and if need be, give a share. I became a hero. Read, read Washington. I so the chief rabbi of the IDF, a, a general Navon, sends for me. And we became very friendly. And I would visit his office on quite a few occasions, whatever the reasons were. His secretary told me that, you notice the general's office is locked. He is learning. From seven to nine, he can't be disturbed. And she said, only the prime minister or the chief of staff. If they call, I put the call through. I, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting to go in, nine o'clock. We had an appointment. And I couldn't get over it. And he was a, he, he got Navon, as a Moroccan Jew, photographic memory. New shots by heart. I once took the Kolil to meet him, and they were, couldn't, you know, couldn't believe. Tremendous bikiot. Tremendous bikiot. But you need both. You need the ability, kiesa and Svara in classic language. Now, there's more to it. 
something else. You go to college. You, the dove, let me tell you a story out of Yeshiva College in my time. Did you hear the name Professor Ralph Rosenberg? You never heard it. All right. Why should you hear it? He was professor at Yeshiva College from the 30s through the 50s. He taught German. All right. So we come into class again. He had a good sense of humor. He was a wonderful teacher. I, I, why did I take German? You won't believe it. I wanted to. Rav Weiss was married to Rav Hirsch, Hirsch's her great-granddaughter. I wanted to read Rav Hirsch. Couldn't get Rav Hirsch then. I took German, won all awards, two years, top German student. By the second year, everything started coming out in English. I never had to pick up a book in German again. I still know a little German, but not what I knew then, believe me. So Rosenberg says, Gentlemen, I know sometimes you laugh at your teachers. I'm quoting him now, watch. He says, and let me tell you a story, you may be right. I once had a student, I don't think the story's true, but he's making a point. I once had a student, came to class the first day, I never saw him again. And he shows up for the final. I said to him, you chutzpahnik, you never came to class. You know what? Take the final. Let's see how little you know. The guy takes the final, he gets 98. Rosenberg says to him, I can't believe it. 98. He says, yes, professor, I lost the two points, the one class I came to. Follow? <laughs> All right, that's Ralph Rosenberg. All right, that's academia. We have a totally different concept. It's in brachat yuma. Gadol shimusha And here you come to a basic understanding of Torah Tashem. And I've given many shirim on this. I can't repeat, but the heart of it. Why a Torah Shabbat You see, you go to college, you're studying psychology, you're studying math, you're studying biology. The truth of the matter is, you may not need a teacher. The textbook, a good textbook. I remember I had a textbook, my third year I took a course, Educational Psychology. It was a fabulous textbook. Each chapter began with a case study, like a Sheila Tshuva. How would you handle this? Fabulous textbook. Who needs a teacher? Torah, part of the whole experience is a living example. Without a living example, we can't continue with Torah. And this was the Rav Svartnes, Hesbeth for Abchaim Hela. And the Rav asked, why when you come to Sofrehim, do you have an adjective, Plata? I've told you this many times, I consider that the top Torah the Rav ever said. Rabbi Lichtenstein feels his Hester to the Briska Rav was the most important. We, we differ. The reasons I can explain, we're both right to a certain degree. But he's more limited to Brisk, and I'm talking about Yahadut Beklalit in general. And the Rav said, in every door, the young people want to be Tzaddikim, want to be Hasidim, want to be Skenim, and want to be Chachma. 
but tonight called them Lamaaser, there must be a remnant of the previous generation. Had Hitler killed us all, there'd be no Torah today. It's impossible. The remnant that survived, in my case, the Shanghai crowd. Shanghai crowd, if not for them, where would we be? Take the Hasidic world, imagine if the Lubavitcher Rebbe had not been able to reach America. He was in France, was conquered by the Germans. Shem Yerachem. Look what one man accomplished. Crown Heights, 770. And, and, and you must have that remnant. And this is why Torah, why a yeshiva becomes so important because you have a chance to come in contact with the giants of yesteryear. It's, it's a fabulous, fabulous, real understanding of what Torah is about. Without a Rebbe, you cannot master the heart of the Torah experience. And I'll tell you another story. Rav Schwaben used to say, this concept falls into your head while you're teaching, it's Minishamayim. Another story. Charlie and I both recall Mr. Abrams, correct? You, otherwise you guys here don't know who I'm talking about. He ran the yeshiva with an iron hand. We used to call him the little Jap. He was all of five foot, five inches tall, perhaps. His daughter got married, his only daughter. His only child, I believe. And it was a big wedding at the yeshiva. The Rav came, was, came in from Boston, Lasada Kedushin, and he invited the whole world. And here we are in the auditorium, Lampert, and I'm there, my cover, my chavruta, Rafael Weinberg, and we're sitting, we're standing next to a, a professor from the college, Professor Fleischer. And we're sitting, talking, and it's ready to begin. And there we turn around, we see entering the door, way in back, we were up front, the rub is walking in. Immediately, we all jumped up. And Fleischer says, why are you standing? Rabbi Salavechik is coming in. And he was blown away. He said, I never saw that in my life. I've seen world-famous professors in my field who stood up. Maybe when they were right next to us, all right, you stood up. You curtsy. Royalty, I don't know. But Kavar HaTayra, he was impressed. And I remember Chaim Salavechik, my classmate, Rabbi, Dr. Professor, Chaim told me when my father saw Rav Foyer, Yehuda Leib Foyer, from afar, could be half a mile away. My father jumped up. With what? The Chaim's Talmud Mufak, the Major Tzchafruta. This, this, this is the love of Torah. Shabbos. I apologize for telling you this. I 
stepped, I told her, I think yesterday as well, what happened. I stepped out of shoe, Mincha. Oh, a crowd around me. Who am I? What am I? Oh, Rabbi Willick's son was telling everyone, this man has been teaching Torah 64 years. This is the secret. And, and this is rabbinic authority. I begin, what do I talk about at the beginning? Who replanted Torah after World War II? The rabbis, the Rosh Yeshiva, those who survived. This is the yeshiva, this responsibility. This is the heart of our existence. And you can't find it anywhere else. We can only find it because from time immemorial there have been yeshiva, there have been teachers, there have been students, there have been study. And this is from time immemorial. And uh, his sources here are beautiful. There's another part to Torah. And this is individuality. No shoe can fit every foot. I have a student, I've quoted him, I quoted him earlier today, the story with the beards, Eila Shalom Nichnu, didn't take off their beards. You have no idea, he tells everyone, why, why do I love my Rebbe of 60 years ago or more already? And he tells the story. And I was a young Rebbe, but I have to say I'm proud of what I told him. He was in MTA. And I was teaching, his, I was his first Rebbe, I think, in Yeshiva. And uh, he uh, wasn't happy with the environment. He was looking for something more. Not just what we had to offer in YU. More warmth more chassidish, more yirat shema, whatever. So he would speak with me. And I told him, look, if you're not happy here, there are the yeshivat. And I suggested near Yisrael in Baltimore. Why did he suggest near Yisrael? Because his parents were very insistent he must have a secular education, which is correct. And I told him, in near Yisrael, they also have a good high school. Am I right, Morty? And and uh, all right, it's not, uh, but good, a passable high school. I'll revive myself, so Morty will be happy. And they have deals with college. You can go to John Hop, Johns Hopkins, right or wrong, or other they degrees. I don't know today with Rabbi Feldman. It must be for anyone goes to college must be in Cherem. I don't know. I hope not, but if he could say what he said, anything is possible. So, later in life, where do you think he winds up studying, getting his smicha, his secular degrees? He went to Nei Yisrael. And he's, you see, he was always thankful that I didn't say to him, remain in YU, it's the greatest school in the world, everyone loves it, this is for you, develop yourself, adjust yourself. No, people are different. And he gives all the chazal. What he wants to learn. Freedom of choice. 
you don't learn with anyone. You have to choose the Rebbe. And he quotes Gemara, and it's good to have more than one Rebbe. Not good to just have one Rebbe. Good to have more than one. And I have to tell you, in YU, the most beautiful part of my experience was that the Rebbeim play well under the table. Not so happy with each other. What do they know? Tells. What do they know? Rotten. What do they know? Slabotka. Anungadisha? Pressburg? That was the greatest. I was friendly with many rebellion intimate. And I picked up their cynicism and criticism. And Kenny, I've devoted 70 years to trying to answer one topic. Why did my rebellion at times look at their fellow rebellion a little bit cynically? Haughty. What was Tells about? What was Mir about? What was Slabatka about? What was Rodden about? Mark, I owe that to my Rebbeim. Oh, boy. And the best story is, uh, again, another story fell into my mind. Abba Branspiegel tells the I say, Chetzadik Lefracha, told the story many times. <laughs> Rav Shmuel Lenin, he's an unseen, the Rav Kaf, and with the desire to master Western civilization. Rav Volk was a gonadir from Tells, but he never mastered the Western civilization. And there was frustration there. And one time he's talking with Abba, and he says to Abba, No, Minzaktas, Rav Salavechik, Sagarin, and Ravok was a master. No, you tell me, Kajim and Tarot, his books are all on esoteric topics, not yeshivish topics. A master of Kajim and Tarot. And Ravok says, Ich velem kebin a kleine bekina velechem fregin a poshailis vilchzen tsuel Eichet in Kajim in Tarot? said, I want to test the Rav. I want to ask him a few questions. I want to see whether he knows Kajim and Tarit. And Abba Branspiegel, all right, he walks away. you got, you got to know Rav Volk. I can just see this happening. And Rav Volk comes back, Abba says, about 20 minutes later, again, again, he knows. He knows like he was playing, understand? But wow. I can explain to you exactly what Ravok was thinking and where he comes from from Tells, and I can explain who the Rav was, where he came from, what he became. Wow. Mir, Rabbi Ruchim Levavitz. Ach, you see, it's better to have, and he quotes Chazal, you see the Makarit here, better to have more than one Rebbe. It exposes you to a medley of thinking. We're different. One of the Rub's critiques, and I'll end off with this, but I tell you, I thank the Almighty, thank you for being here, filling the room. I, so many beautiful thoughts. What I prepared, I prepared, but 
I'm living, reliving beautiful moments. The Rub's critique of the so-called swing of the right, you have to understand it. And I told you, the Rub was totally at home in one place in New York, in the home of the Holses, Manny and Norma, in Kew Gardens Hills. Yes, do you know where they lived? 147th Street, a few blocks from the young Israel, a few blocks. Oh, wow. It's a shtibble around the corner today. Unbelievable. Few the mikvahs, uh, two blocks. It's that hard, like Main Street there. So uh, in that house, the rough felt totally at home. He could let his hair down, the Queen's Mafia. So one time, I believe I quote this in the Rav, at a Sheva Brachas, he said, the world today, everyone looks alike. They think alike. They want to tell you, I'm just like my neighbor. There's no difference between us. And that this is the total difference to what the heart of Brisk was about, the heart of Litta. We have to be different. We have to think differently. Each one is a human being. We have to not only dress differently, you see. And when you think differently, I'm quoting Rebbe now, this gives birth to Chiddush. Ah, then you can be a Mahadesh, you understand. This is Reb Chaim. And, and, and this was why the Rav, you see, that, that sameness today, when I was once driving home in Lower Lena, they were going to Rav Ezraki's funeral. I saw the same thing when they were going to other funerals. Hundreds of young people from Hebron, Slabatka, up the block, everyone's dressed the same. You cannot tell any difference until you see the face. They're all the same. Dr. Ravna, the fact that we can have differences, different configuration, different coloration, different hues of Torah, adds, blends, produces the Torah personality, the Torah soul. This is Lithuania, and this is the beautiful introduction of a Yeki. Where does he come from? But all right, he grew up in Israel, formative years here, learned in Hebron. All right, he synthesized understanding the heart of what a yeshiva is about. My dear students, we've now given a very nice introduction, but we're still not finished. I wouldn't miss next week's shear for all the jelly apples they gave out in Borough Park on Simchas Torah past. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. What did we accomplish today? Well, we finished out the Vilna Gong, we finished out the Ramban, and that, the story with the Rav, I'll never forget that. The Rav Moshe squeaked. They said he shouted him on the whole street. Nicht wie der Zeder. No, no, not that. Uh, and the beauty of Torah. Are there any questions from the most erudite audience sitting in front of me? Until we meet again in Health and Happiness Sunday morning, I pick up just where we left off. Uh, very fascinating. Uh, right, Jesse, I'm going to call upon you to tell me whether Rabbi Menashe Klein is right. You'll see what he says. And the truth is, 
what I showed you yesterday from Hilzerand is unbelievably important. And, I, and I'm being honest. I don't agree with the Manasseh Klein. My dear student Rabbi Mark Drench doesn't agree. But the Gemara in Makot is with him. Did you see the Gemara in depth? I don't know any other way. It's with, with him and with Aryeh Hilzerand. In Jenda uh, Yomo, Yomo, open it up to the world to meet again and help him happiness and rakpa so rato vadas vadanya. Yomo, open it up. If anyone is left, I see people sleeping. Uh, all right, uh, oh, and the class has to come in, the new class, everyone is getting ready, okay. okay. Are there any comments <coughs> from around the world? Recording stopped. Recording stopped. Okay, until we meet again in health. Uh, yes, yes, Avraham. Uh, the whole thing that you quoted that uh, was Haggis. Quoted what? What? You were talking about Limitator Haggis. I saw, not on over publishing, but uh, the Greater Liquid, they translated a whole share from, from Rabbeinu. And he, and he said, he's, he gave over what you were just saying, that when you're learning, the whole Russia with why we say Lhasa as opposed to right. Yeah, and they, I, I, when I saw him deliver it, it was... Uh, wait, wait, you're talking about the Rav now? Yeah, yeah. And what, in Lakewood they translated it? Yeah, I thought it was under that word publishing, and I was looking for it while you were talking, when you were saying it over, and it said that the greater Lakewood is... Uh, is the place that put it up. Uh, we're happy to hear that. All right, everyone, just Besora Tovat, until we meet again, I want to thank everyone for joining with us, and until we meet again in health and happiness, Das Vidanya.